Wow. Uh, just want to thank you as well. I want to mention a couple things I wrote down. I lost track a little bit here, but uh, thanks so much for the prayers you've been praying uh, for Lisa's dad. He passed uh, a couple days ago, and uh, she's incredibly, we're all incredibly grateful for your prayers. Uh, he was confessing Christ and talking about what am I going to say to God and what's going to be like, what's heaven going to be like, and, and over and over again affirming that he is putting faith in Christ. So that was We're grateful to see that. That has been our main prayer. So we praise God for that. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. He is good. Uh, Thanks for keeping Lisa in prayer and and Mark in prayer over there. Uh, Mark, uh, we're with you, brother, and brother Gary and uh, the rest of the family. And also uh, Kimberly uh, died the same day. She died about 4 a.m. And later Lisa's uh, dad died. That would be Kimberly Evans, you know. Uh, The family, I mean... Uh, James watches. He's got a, a serious situation. He's getting a lot better. Keep him in prayer. Uh, and Haley and the other kids left behind and, and, and lift them up in prayer. And Haley was so close to her mom as well. So keep her in prayer. It was very, very, very hard. Uh, so praise God. It was a trip because I was just taking away home the other day that I don't typically go home. And I remember when I drive with my dad down First Street from the freeway area because we lived in a track right beneath the freeway on the south side of it. And we would take First Street down, and then we would, we, First Street didn't go through LA Avenue, so you had to go around through the, the track there and come back. And I got gas there, and then I went that way, because it was easier to just go that way than go back toward First Street from the gas station. And I thought, wow, my dad used to take that this way, this way. And I got teary, you know, thinking about it, because I was thinking of her dad, you know, and I was thinking, man, I miss him, you know. And it was really a trip, because we need to be thankful for our fathers, and for our mothers. And it was a trip. I bring that up because I was looking for my Bible. I go, Lisa, where's my Bible? It's kind of a strange question in my house because I got Bibles everywhere, but she's, she knows I mean my preaching Bible. And, uh, and I couldn't find it, you know, because reconfigured, you know. Uh, anyway, long story. Anyway, I went and grabbed a Bible. I said, oh, I'll just grab one of my other Bibles. And I got this. I don't recognize this Bible. I grabbed it off of one of my bookshelf. And then it said Richard Schimmel on it, which was my dad. And I just had those thoughts yesterday. I'm like, how do I have my dad's Bible? And Lisa said, your mom was just here, and she said, hey, can I leave this here? So it's just kind of weird how things come together. And this message about how things come together when you trust the Lord uh, and how important mothers are, fathers as well, obviously. But this is, this is uh, Mother's Day, and it's something that, you know, I praise God we have Mother's Day. As a preacher, I love that we have Mother's Day because it makes sure I try to talk about the family a lot in our fellowship and emphasize family life. Uh, but I love it because every time there's a Mother's Day, I get to talk about mothers and the importance of family and uh, their role as parents and how valuable they are uh, to us and to encourage the mothers. And, and, and I pray that they'd be strengthened and so forth. Uh, of course, I love Father's Day as well because I don't think, oh, it's Father's Day. My, my, you know, my wife and children, they're going to all say Happy Father's Day. I can't wait. No, I say, and praise God, I love my family. And, you know, of course, you love to hear Happy Father's Day. You love your kids and your wife and all. But I look forward to Father's Day because I look forward to encouraging the men, you know, uh, as well. And I know I do that all the time, but it's something that's important to do. On Mother's Day, oh, we have a birthday here. Somebody just turned 75 years old, but I'll save that for later. It's pretty cool. Uh, you know, I hope... Uh, they're not too embarrassed, but, you know, don't worry, we won't sing happy birthday. Uh, but uh, it fits into my message to wait for that. You'll see what I mean in a minute. Uh, some of you already get it, probably. Raise your hand if you get it. Nobody gets it? You know what I'm talking about? Okay, there's one person. Okay, you're not 75 years old. You're way younger than that. I know it's not you. Okay, okay. 
All right, so not yet. Amen. And praise God. If you're, if you're 85, praise the Lord. 95. Going on 100. Any behind your year olds here? You know, it, it's, it's tough getting old. I look in the mirror, and I'm like, man, praise God. I'm going to get a new Joe, new body, you know. But I'll tell you what, guys. Uh, I want to talk about one of my favorite mothers in all of Scripture, all the world. And I think she's great because sometimes if you read through the Proverbs 31 women, which I do, it's like that seems like such an impossible mother to be. But she's a picture of a godly woman, a picture of what women can be in Christ. And that's ultimately uh, what an aspiration that women can grow into is we're all seeking to become Christ-like. This is a mother that we're going to read about today where uh, she's incredibly an incredible mother as well. And, but... Uh, her remarkable feats of faith are not impossible to attain. She is in the Hall of Faith chapter, God's Hall of Fame chapter, in Hebrews chapter 11, after all. And I think she is incredibly remarkable. And I think it's amazing because her name isn't... There's many people that are mentioned where their names aren't mentioned, but they're mentioned. And I love that because that reminds me of the heroic mother that she was. And when I get into her, you're going to say, man, I don't even know if I know much about her because she's so underrated, but she's a hero of the faith, and you should know about her. But I thought it's, I just thought about it just a minute ago. It's interesting, that the irony, that her name's not there, because so many mothers are heroes, but many will not know their names. She was basically the mother of Israel in certain ways, because she was a mother of Moses. Her name is Jochebed, okay? I mean, you right now think, yeah, oh, wow, Jochebed. Well, you might get so excited about her, that after this message, you're like, I'm going to name my first daughter, if you haven't a kid yet, Jochebed. <laughs> Probably not, okay? But you're still going to love her faith, okay? Because she's an incredibly remarkable woman, and she's one of my favorites, as I said. Jochebed was born a slave in Egypt under the heavy hand of the wicked king Pharaoh, the ruling empire of that time. Uh, she was a daughter of Levi, married to a man who was also a very godly person named Amran. And she had three children, uh, Aaron and Miriam, and then Moses, okay? And Moses was her youngest, and wow, what a child he was. But a lot of the man he became was a result of her, her faith, her trust, her example. You might be like, wait a minute, man. She gave him up when he was just like three months old. What kind of part did she play in his life? A huge part, because... She may seem behind the scenes, and even in his life later, she seems behind the scenes, but she's very much not behind the scenes because of her faith. And I think, wow, she is, she's an awesome mother. I have an awesome mom, you know, and uh, I love her, and I love you, Mom. She watches, and we got a lot of people on our live stream that live in Idaho, and she and a lot of my siblings over there watch, but love you, Mom, miss you. Uh, she, my mom endured, lived through, I just... She didn't pick up a couple days ago because she just didn't pick up. But I sang her happy, not birthday, but I used a, that tune with Happy Mother's Day. So if she endured that, praise the Lord, Mom. Because I don't call, consider myself a, a great singer by any stretch. But Hebrews eleven twenty three, the Hall of Faith chapter. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was what? Hidden for three months. Now who did the hiding? Jochebed. Amran. She was hit, he was hidden for three months by his parents. So her faith, the parents, her, the parents' faith of Jochebed, 
is huge here. Why? It's so important that you get this because there's a lot of strong faith going on. And as Christians, we're saved by grace through faith. We know we're saved by grace through faith, through trusting Christ, what he did on the cross. But we actually live out and we walk as Christians through faith. Okay? Faith demands actions. Okay? And it's interesting that true faith has fruit. Amen? Just like repentance has fruit. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents. So it's not Moses' faith there. He had nothing to do with it, right? It's the faith of his parents, Jochebed and Amram, because they saw, or Amram, because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. There's five things about Jochebed that are attainable by all the mothers here, and many of you are already walking in these things, and we just want the Lord to grow us in these things that are remarkable, that stand out to me. And number one, Jochebed, uh, she didn't live for herself, but she lived for God's glory. Jochebed did not live for herself. She lived for God's glory. You don't want to live for yourself. Jesus says, if you save your life, you will lose it. Amen. Wow, almost everybody quotes that verse. That's good. And if you lose your life, you will find it or save it. Amen. Now, I don't care who you are, man or woman. If you're a guy, do not tune me out today, okay? Well, this is for mothers, okay? You know, this is for everybody, man, because these principles apply to everybody, and it's going to help you be a better man or woman of God, okay? And I love you guys, and I, I cry out to the Lord before I preach. You know, please, Lord, speak to their hearts. Please help them grow in faith. And we have, by the grace of God, a lot of strong believers here, a lot of strong converts that are serious about Jesus. And, I mean, I love our fellowship, you know, I talk about how sometimes the service is over and I'm ministering to people. A half hour later, there's most people or a lot of people are still here fellowshipping. I preached at a lot of churches. I preached at big churches where I preached at a really big church. And after the message, almost everyone's gone. I go, and it was like a while. I'm talking to the pastor and stuff afterwards. And I'm like, oh, there's a group of people still there. I'll go say hi, encourage them. I go up to them. Big building. It's all my brothers and sisters from Blessed Hope Chapel. I'm like, wow, praise God. That's good. But you know what? We can't think we've arrived. Amen? Because there's a lot of churches that put us to shame in ways, you know? Missions and stuff. And praise God, there's a lot of missionaries here, a lot of people doing missions. Amen? We need more and more for the Lord. There's people being hunted for Jesus, okay? In, in parts of Africa, in the Middle East, in China. Amen? And they continue in their faith and they hold fast. And they have a hard, it's hard for them to have their faith. Amen? So we need to emulate other people's faith and say, praise God, help us be more like that. Amen. And Jochebed is one of those where you say, wow, look at her faith, whether you're male or female. So it's interesting. Number one, she didn't live for herself. She lived for God's glory. Do you live for your own glory? Do you wake up in the morning and say, how can I make myself look good in front of everybody else? Or do you live for God's glory? We need to live for God's glory, man. We need to live for God's glory. It's so important that we live for his glory. And you know how I know she lived for God's glory? Well, you look at her life story, but I love her name. In Hebrew, it's, it's Jacobed. And we say Jacobed, just like we say Jesus and we say Jehovah sometimes. There's no J. That came from the German language, okay? Transliteration of that, that you know, the, the, the Vod, the, the Y, or the Y sound, I should say. So Jacobed, you know? Uh, it's okay, we, you know, names are translated. It's okay to use translations, right? I say Jesus, I say Yeshua. I say uh, uh, Yahweh, and I say Lord, I say God. Now, it's interesting here because her name literally means, this. understand this, her name, if you're taking notes, means Yahweh is glorious. Isn't that an awesome name? 
Now, some of you might want that name. You might find a nickname, though. I don't know. You know, maybe not. Uh, Jacob's name is uh, Yahweh is glorious. And what's cool is it's the first time in the Bible that you see the element Yah, element of Yahweh, the name of God, used in someone's name. And it's used in such an awesome way. Yahweh is glorious. And wow, did she ever live up to her name. Amen? Do we live up to our Lord's name? We, we pray, and I encourage you, when you wake up in the morning, if you want to be like this woman, or you want to be a man or woman of God, you need to pray what Jesus said to pray. Jesus commanded us, not once, but twice, he said to pray this way, in two, different, two totally different times, two totally different settings, which shows me it matters. Our, our Father who art in heaven, right? What's the first request? Not, Lord, give me, give me, give me. Bless me, bless me, bless me. Amen, Brother Gregory. Hallowed be thy name. Amen. And I try not to start any day off without praying that prayer, stretching my hands often in, in bed. Hallowed be thy name. Lord, help me to glorify your name. And he does it, you know. But he, his eyes go to and fro, it says, throughout the earth, looking for those who can strengthen to do his will. He wants to use you. But those who worship him, Jesus said, must worship in spirit and truth. Amen. We must worship him. We must, the word worship means serve. We're created to serve our creator. Amen. And we don't enjoy our purpose in life. And we live like a, a cancer cell when we go astray and don't live for God and his body, the body of Christ. Amen. So we want to glorify his name. We need to be radical for Jesus, especially in these days, because it was really hard in her day. She's a slave in Egypt, and Pharaoh is a wicked tyrant. Okay? And Pharaoh would want her, and he's going to want her and Amran, her husband, and other Jews to forsake God's word, to forsake his, his, the life of the children, and to murder the baby boys. All the baby boys that are born. And she's going to have a choice to stand up and save her own self and her own skin, or glorify God by a radical choice that she's going to make along with her husband that will possibly cost her her life. It's a huge risk. And she's living for God's glory. And thank God she lived for God's glory. And she lived in such a way that his name was glorified. Now, it's amazing to me because today that's not happening in the church. You know how many millions of people in the United States claim to be Christians, but they're pro-abortion? They stick their finger in the air and they don't even think about the child in their womb and they claim to be Christians? They vote for people that are for baby killing? That just blows me away. How can you fear God and can care about babies in the womb and made in God's image and vote for people that will empower their murder? That just blows me away, man. That just blows me away over and over again. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord and do not what I say? Amen? Amen. Now, it's interesting because I remember a story. I love this story, you know, of Alexander the Great. Took over the world, you know, wept, you know, at the age of 30, supposedly, because there was few to be taken over anymore. You know, and then, but there was a man who went AWOL, a young man, a young guy in his army, and you would be executed when you went AWOL. It was like considered a treasonous act. But he came to the man when they were looking at all those who went AWOL, and he came to a guy that was just a, a boy pretty much, you know? He's like a boy. And the guy's shivering, you know? And he said to him, What's your name, son? He said, My name is Alexander. Well, Alexander the Great didn't like that. He said to him, you either change your name or you change your conduct. Because he didn't like the idea that there was a boy named after him. 
with his name that was living a treasonous, AWOL life. We cannot call ourselves Christians and be AWOL when it comes to the Christian faith. Amen? Amen. We can't say that we love Jesus and just stick our finger in the air or go downstream with the currents. You know what I'm saying? We can't do that, guys. We can't do that. And if you're not living for Jesus and you leave the, and you just come on Sunday, you just come on Wednesday night, or, and, you're, and, I'm, and I say this because I love you. I know some people have a hard time when I just preach the word, okay? Don't have a hard time. You're not having a hard time with me. You're having a hard time with Jesus, okay? You can blame me. I don't mind if you blame me, but guess what? And they leave here, and they just, what's politically correct? You know, what's acceptable by the world? And they'll never name the name of Jesus, but they'll name the name of Jesus around Christians. They'll sing songs. But then when they're outside these walls, don't do that. Don't let that happen to you. I encourage you not to be like that, okay? If you live one, we claim one thing, but you live a totally different way, that's hypocritical. Now, I could ignore saying anything that I've been saying, but that wouldn't benefit you. You wouldn't leave here challenged. You wouldn't leave here encouraged. Amen? In fact, I know that's why a lot of people come here, because you know you're going to get the unadulterated Word of God. And praise God, that says something about you. Now, it's interesting, because uh, I just beg you, for your own sake, pray, hallowed be thy name. And by the way, you don't have to say the whole Lord's Prayer. By the way, it only takes 20, 23, 24, 25, 26 seconds to say that prayer or so. It's very easy, you know. I mean, you'll say thousands and thousands of words a day. Why can't you just say, hallowed be thy name? You know, that just takes a second, right? Just, you don't have to pray every part of that prayer in a row every time. Sometimes I'm, I'll pray a certain prayer. You know, thank you, Lord, for giving us this day our daily bread. Please continue to meet our needs your riches and glory. Oh, forgive us our sins, Lord, as we forgive those who sin against us. Oh, you're tempted? Lead us not to temptation, Lord. Deliver us from evil, okay? Lord, may your name be glorified. Hallowed be thy name. In fact, I was singing on the way here, preparing for, to meet with you guys today. You know what song I was singing? Glorify thy name, Lord, you know. In my life, Lord, be glorified. In my family, Lord, be glorified. But I also was so singing, in your church, Lord, be glorified. Be glorified. That's my prayer, Lord. I want my life to be lived for his glory. God wants you to live your life for his glory. And by the way, that's when you're blessed. You're blessed when you're living for God's glory. If you're living for yourself, you're never going to have the joy of the Lord because you're going to grieve the Spirit of God if you're a Christian. And then you're going to be in big trouble because then you're going to be in apostasy eventually. You can't have the joy of the Lord. You're going to have all kinds of depression, all kinds of... Your life's just going to be a bummer if you're not living for God's glory and you're living for yourself. Amen? Isn't that the truth? So live for God's glory. As Jesus commanded, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Amen? And all these things will be added to you. Number two, Jochebed lived a fearless faith. She lived a fearless faith, man. I love it, man, because people don't realize how serious her faith was. In fact, I love Hebrews. And go to Hebrews 11 if you're not there, if you can, if you've got a Bible or what have you, or a phone app or what have you. Because in Hebrews 11, this is the great chapter on faith. And it might be, you know, I think it'll be worthwhile if you understand the definition of faith, because this is, if somebody said, what's the greatest chapter on faith in the Bible? I would probably say Hebrews 11, James 2, maybe, Romans chapter 4. 
that we're saved by grace apart from works. James 2, but faith has works. It has evidence to it. James 11, this is what faith looks like. And we read in verse 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. So it's not a blind faith. I have conviction that this, there's, the air exists. I can't see it, but it exists. I see the fruit of it. Amen. I can't see God, but I see the fruit of what he's done everywhere. I, didn't, I don't know there's someone that built this building. I know there is. I've never seen them, but I believe they exist because I see the building. I see a painting. I don't scratch my head. I said, ooh, that just, some kind of strange explosion made that, you know, beautiful painting in a print. You know, no, it's ridiculous. I know there's a painter. I see creation, which is way beyond any building or way beyond any painter. I know there's a God. Okay, and I, he's revealed himself through Holy Scripture. Hebrews 11, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, men of old gained approval. By faith, we understand that the worlds were prepared uh, by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things which are visible. Isn't that a trip? A couple thousand years ago, God inspired this writing that the things that we see are made out of things that aren't visible. Now they know that we're made of atoms, right? And they're invisible. Okay, pretty, pretty trippy. Verse 6, jump down to verse 6. And without faith, it's impossible what? To please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is rewarder of those who what? Seek him. So faith is a conviction that God exists. The assurance that God keeps his promises. Amen? It's the the, the conviction also that he's a good God, that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? It's, it's this ongoing outlook, ongoing trust towards God, an abandonment of the reliance of self, and a trust that says, I trust you, God. I look to you, not to myself. Amen? And, and now in Hebrews 11, he goes into all these different people who had faith. This, this you know, this beautiful litany of beautiful litany list of not vices we see other places viceless but of those who walked in faith and they didn't go by their feelings because truth and facts trump their emotions and their feelings amen don't live by your emotions don't live by your feelings feelings lead you astray so often how often do you feel something i feel something's behind that bush it's gonna jump out at me and it doesn't happen right you put faith in God's word. Amen? Now, it's interesting. As I said, she is so underrated, but she was such a powerful a woman of faith. Now, you have to check out the scene. This is why I think her faith is just so amazing. She is being called, along with her husband, to kill baby Moses, okay? To put him to death. The midwives were commanded, you kill the baby boys. And then another command, you better... Drown them in the river Nile, you know? And it's interesting because listen to Exodus 1.15. Then the king of Egypt, that's Pharaoh, spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shifra and the other who was named Puah. And he said, when you are helping the Hebrew women to give birth and see them upon the birth stool, if it is a son, then you shall put him to death. But if it's a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. Because you see, the slaves of Egypt, Pharaoh, this Pharaoh forgot about Joseph. Didn't think about that history and how God used Joseph, an Israelite, right, 
to save Egypt and the world around them from famine. Amen? Well, the Pharaoh that that happened under rewarded Joseph and brought Joseph's family during the time of famine into Egypt. And Joseph became this mighty, the co-regent of Pharaoh, man. He was given this incredible position. It's it's mind-blowing. And by the way, I encourage you, if you have not seen it, you could watch it on Amazon Prime. Uh, It's uh, Patterns of Evidence. It will blow you away, okay? It's just the evidence that you see of what happened in the Exodus. I mean, I, 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 if I start getting into it, because I get so excited about that video, we've interviewed that, that gentleman that made that, by the way. Uh, it's just so, such a beautiful, it's powerful, because you see remnants of Joseph and the Hebrews that were enslaved there. Okay? I mean, the, the archaeology of things is a blow mind, and far beyond that. Just, so if you're like, oh, what should I watch? You know, mm, uh, Patterns of evidence, man. That's something really cool to watch. Anyway, uh, the Israel slave class was growing and growing. And Pharaoh wanted slaves, but he didn't want too many male slaves. More female slaves, the better. Woo, did he underestimate the females. Because there's this woman named Jochebed, who f- has a fierce faith in the Lord, who doesn't fear man. This is such an incredible act of faith because she kept baby Moses alive. That was incredibly dangerous because he gave an edict what was considered, you know, a divine edict by the Egyptians to execute all these little boys. And she's like, nope. Her husband's like, nope. We're going to save baby Moses. It's a beautiful baby. They're like, we're going to save him. You know, that could cost them their lives. She would lose her life. But I love it that she has a fearless faith. When I say fearless, I'm talking about she doesn't fear man. She fears God over man. Amen. Amen. And you know what's cool? If she feared the king of kings over a tyrant king. Amen? Do you do that? Do you fear God more than men? And we'll talk about the fear of God in a moment, but I I love the fact that she did not fear man. And she's this powerful woman. And what's a trip is the downfall of Egypt does not begin with Moses. It begins with Jochebed. That's why she's in Hebrews 11. Isn't that a trip? Jochebed and her husband Amran. But she takes, she's the forefront of the faith here, not her husband. I mean, obviously he had faith too, but you see her in the story play an important role here. So that's why I love this story. Uh, it's awesome. Because in Exodus 2, 1 and 2, it says, Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was beautiful, she, did, she hid him for three months. Now just him crying, a boy crying, right? could give her away. And Exodus 2, 3 says, but when she could hide him no longer, she got him a wicker basket and covered it over with tar and pitch. And she put the child into it and sent it among the reeds by the bank of the Nile. Wow. You've heard of the, mark, the Ark of Noah, right? This is the Ark of Moses. Okay? There's a lot of things that are underrated here. And it's also to protect him. And what a picture this is. Because Moses is an incredible picture of Christ. Remember they tried to put Jesus to death? Remember? Herod did. And I, I, was, I had a whole section I was going to work on, which I've already worked on actually for this, or to share with you guys, on the typology of Moses as Christ, as a picture of Christ. Can't do it today. I know a lot of people love typology here, but I can't do that today because it would take too much of this message, and that would be for another time. But it's really amazing because... Uh, the, the, what she's, the faith that she shows. By the way, she's putting him in the Nile where there's crocodiles. 
She's putting him in the Nile where all kinds of babies are being killed. Doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. She had to trust God. She had to trust the word of the Lord. And God was speaking to her because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So she's like, I got to trust God. So her faith is amazing and she doesn't fear man. So it's interesting that her faith has actions. They make this little boat, put little Moses in it. That's a lot of faith. Now she knows if she keeps the little boy, eventually he's going to be killed because it's going to be just come out that she's got a little boy. So she's like, what do I do, Lord, right? What am I going to do with my little boy? He's getting older. His lungs are probably getting louder, right? He's going to start growing up among the little girls, and it's going to be an obvious thing. And she isn't to change, into trying to change sexes because she knows she can't. Well, she doesn't know anything about chromosomes, XX and XY, but she realized he's a boy, okay? And by the way, his identity is huge because I can't, couldn't fit it in this message. But she teaches Moses, you'll see later, that Moses realizes his identity, which is huge that you teach your children their identity. But that's for the Father's Day message because part two of this message is the Father's Day message because Amram plays a part and it's pretty, there's a lot of cool things I want to share today. I can't, but I'm going to be sharing a lot of cool things in this message that I think will encourage you. But I want to encourage you and let you know that faith works. There's a lie out there today that faith can just be empty faith and all you have to do is have mental assent that Jesus died for you and you're saved and you don't have to obey him. You don't have to repent. You know, that's a lie from the pit of hell. It's very popular in the body of Christ right now. An apathetic kind of faith. We just don't do anything for Jesus. You accept salvation and you just kind of sit in your laurels and you just wait till you get to heaven. And that's why the Christian faith is so dead in so many parts of the world today. There's millions, right now, I'm telling you right now, there's millions of people in churches as I speak in America who you would not see their faith throughout the week. Because they've been taught that we're saved by grace through faith, but they don't realize that works. The Bible says, come on guys, what does it say in James 2? Faith without works, come on. What does it say in James 2? Faith without works is what? Dead. Dead. Praise God. Seems like everybody's listening. Faith without works is dead. James says faith without works is dead, just like the body without the spirit is dead. Lisa's dad died, you know. His spirit left his body, you know. And his body, he was just sitting there for a little while. They took the pillow out from under his head, and it was stiff. His head didn't even go down. Rigor mortis had already set in. But Lisa's like, I know that's just his body, you know. The body's dead, but his spirit's with God. Be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. The Bible says the body without the spirit is dead. And that's how a lot of people's faith is. It's just dead. It's not real. In fact, James challenges the professing believers there, says the demons have faith and they believe and tremble. They don't have saving faith. Jesus didn't die for demons. Amen? But they have faith and they tremble. In other words, he's saying he's putting those who say, I trust Jesus, but don't do anything for him to shame. Saying demons have greater faith than you. That is like the ultimate put down. The devils have greater faith than you. He's trying to rouse them to say, wait a minute, man, I need to make sure I have real faith. John the Baptist said, bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Amen? True repentance produces fruit. So she has a living faith because it says that Jochebed, Jochebed what? She hid Moses. She kept him alive. That's number one. Boom. I'm keeping alive. I'm going to fear the king of kings over this wimpy Pharaoh king. Wimpy, Joe, he could have their heads. Wimpy compared to the king of kings. Perspective, amen? Yeah, 
guys have power. I mean, look at Stalin and Lenin and after putting Marx's teachings into effect and then with Mao following them, killing over 100 million people, many of them Christians. Atheism has done more to destroy. You know, it's weird that when you witness to people, sometimes they'll talk about religious wars and how many people died in religious wars. Well, I say, you know what? Christians never kill anyone. They, don't never, they never murder anybody, right? Because Jesus said, if you, have a, if you commit murder, you don't have eternal life in you. Now, Christians can protect their homes, protect their countries, amen? Law enforcement, praise God for law enforcement. They protect us. That's not considered murder. Thou shalt not murder. That's not murder. That's, that's protection, right? But true Christians don't kill. But guess what atheists have done? They've killed more people, over 100 million people, just in the last century alone, more than all the religious wars put together in, from time immemorial, from Eden to now. So when that comes up, but guess what? Christians are supposed to be pro-life, amen? That's why she's trying to keep her baby alive. Christians were at the forefront through Wesley and Wilberforce of, of bringing freedom to the slaves, amen? The abolition movement was headed by Christians. And right now it makes sense because babies are being denied their right to live. They're being denied their humanity. And Christians are in the forefront of that movement as well. Yet we're the bad guys. Well, the Bible talks about how they'll call good evil and evil good and put darkness for light and light for darkness. We're in those times, just like it was in Isaiah's day, it would become again, it says in 2 Peter chapter 2. So, but I love this, you guys, because there's two extremes. There's two extremes, guys, and we've got to stay away from two extremes. In your life, you need to stay away from these two extremes. There's those who are all spiritual, but not practical at all. They're like, oh, I believe in God. Just, I just trust God. Let go and let God. They do anything for the Lord. They don't serve him. Let go and let God. And they're not active. They're not applying it to their lives. Well, my Bible tells me by faith, they hid Moses. By faith, they did things. Amen? Faith without works is dead. And Galatians 5, 6, the great apostle of grace through faith, Paul, says in Galatians 5, 6, faith works through love. We're not saved by works. We're saved by his grace through trusting him. Amen. He does all the saving. Amen. But true faith works through love. Meaning we love you, Lord. We obey your commandments because you first loved us and we do his will because we love him. Amen. That we're so grateful that he freely saved us. Amen. So now it's interesting here because the two extremes, one is like, oh, just trust God, you know, and they don't do anything. Then you have the other extreme. Uh, that, that extreme is let go, let God. And I do believe let it go, let God to a degree. But when God says do something, I do it. Amen. Not perfectly, but I try. Amen? So we also obey. The other side says do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. Just keep doing, but doesn't look to God. Doesn't trust God. Doesn't trust his providence. Doesn't trust his hand. Doesn't pray. I got to do it all myself. And doesn't look for the Lord to work in our lives. That's kind of an atheistic, that's like a... Huh, the professing Christians who do everything but never pray, never cry out to God, that's like a, what we call practical atheism. They, in, their, in their minds, they believe in God, but they, they don't seek Him. They don't cry out to God. They don't say, use me, Lord. It, it, they're acting like atheists, even though in their minds, they know He exists. We need to do both. I love how the author of Hebrews weds faith and the spiritual with the practical. You see what I'm saying? Because it shows how faith has actions. And that's why I'm constantly talking about application to your life. I'm constantly telling you to be a doer of the word and not a hearer only. From the time you ever heard me preach, it was always encouraging you to do God's will. Live for Jesus. 
Be the man and the woman God has called you to be. Amen? So I love this. Now it's interesting. She makes this baby ark and she encourages him. And the context, again, is there's incredible danger. But the context of Hebrews 11 is important to know. Because guess what? She, Jochebed, risked her life. She risked her life. Do you understand that? Guess what? For these Christians in, in Hebrews 11 that are being written to, they have to risk their lives to go to church. Do you understand that? Because in Hebrews chapter 10, he talks about how, you know what? Some of you, he says, don't be in the habit. In fact, he encourages them in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. To, he tries to encourage them and stimulate the faith of others. And he says, he warns them not to be in the habit of some, somewhere in this habit. Don't be in the habit of some in forsaking the fellowshipping of yourselves together. But gather together, what? All the more as you see the day of Christ coming. In other words, guess what? There'll be a time, there was a time in the first century, more than one, under Nero, okay, under Domitian. That was, both, both those guys ruled, they were the emperors of the first century. Then you go to the second and third century, there were wicked emperors, man, that were putting Christians to death, banning them from having scripture and so forth. And in Hebrews, people didn't want to be in church. They wanted to be there, but they're like, I'm not going there because it cost me my life. How do I know that? Because he says in that same chapter, some of you lost your homes. Some of you are visiting the prisoners in prison. But you've lost your homes. You've done it joyfully because you know you have a home in heaven. That's faith. That's seeing the king of kings over the king of this world. Understand what I'm saying? Some will say, well, none, none of them died for their faith at that point. I used to think that because that scripture in Hebrews 10 where it says, none of you have yet resisted the point of shedding your blood. But I thought about it. I go, wait a minute. We don't know that people didn't die at that specific persecution. You know why we don't know that? Because when he says to them, none of you have died for the point of resisting your blood, he's talking to the living believers there. Not talking to the dead ones. Are you understand what I'm saying? I'm like, there could have been people lost their lives because they lost their homes. And, but a lot of people were fearful to stay in fellowship. So he encourages them to continue in the faith. He warns them against apostasy. If we go on sinning like rebelling against God and we go back to Judaism, because if we go on sinning willfully after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but only a certain fearful judgment of fire indignation which will consume the adversaries of God. He says, if they stone people to death under two or three witnesses, of how much worse punishment do you suppose it will be for those who have trampled underfoot the blood of Christ? Consider the blood of the covenant by which they were sanctified, they were saved, an unholy thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. He says, God will judge his people. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. He goes on to say that God is a consuming fire a little bit later in Hebrews. So it's important. Then guess what he says in verses 34 and 35. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, your faith, which has great reward. Then at the end of chapter 10, he says the just shall live by faith. Those who have been justified, saved by grace, they shall live by faith. But if he draws back, my soul will have no pleasure in him in verse 38. Woo! But he's confident those who hadn't fallen away, that he's encouraging, will continue because he says, but we are not of those who draw back to damnation. Some do. But of those who believe unto the saving of the soul. That's how Hebrews chapter 10 ends. Are you with me? So when you pick it up in Hebrews chapter 11, he's letting them know faith works. True faith has action. It continues to trust God even when threats are hanging above your head. Because he goes on to say in Hebrews 11, 6, right? That you don't only believe that he is, but he's what? a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? Amen? So that means you're like, hey, even if I go to service, and even if I lose my head, or I lose my home, right? Or I lose my friends, 
There's more to the picture than what is right before me. Jesus says, what does the prophet of man if he gains the whole world and loses his what? His soul. Don't say, man, it's all about this world. It's not all about this world, guys. Jesus said, occupy till I come. That's our job, amen. Win souls. Take a stand for God's truth, amen. Now, it's really cool because look at verse 4. Look at over and over again it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. 19 times I counted. It says, by faith, Abel, what? It shows that faith has works. Faith has evidence. Faith is active. True faith. It doesn't say by faith. So-and-so sat on their hands. It says, by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain. Look at verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death. Wow. Verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God about the things not uh, seen, in reverence or fear, prepared an ark for the salvation of his household. Verse 8, by faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. Hey, I'm going to trust you, God. I don't see the full picture, but I know you're the God of the full picture. Verse 9, by faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise. Verse 11, by faith even Sarah received uh, ability to conceive there's 19 of these. I'm not going to read all of them because there's so many of them. I'd be reading pretty much the whole chapter. Look at verse 30. Jump down to verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. Wow. After they had been circled for seven days, which is a picture of the end. They blow the seven trumpets. <laughs> Jesus Christ come back, seven trumpets, and Babylon's going down. He comes back at the seventh trumpet, the last trumpet. We get caught up to meet him in the air. We come back with him on his mighty horse. We're with him. He takes the Antichrist out, the false prophet out, and he rules. Verse 31, by faith Rahab, the harlot, did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. 19 times we read this. Look at verse 32. And what more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel, and the prophets who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. Think of Daniel, right? Quenched the power of fire, uh, escaped the edge of the sword. From weakness were made strong. You want to be strong? Proverbs 31, woman, man, she strengthens her arms, it says. It's kind of interesting. It's through faith that you become strong. Became mighty in war, but uh, put forth foreign armies to, or put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection, and others were tortured, not accepting their release, so that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced great wealth and health. Is that what it says? And they found out that they were little gods, and that they could do all these signs and wonders and live on kings on this planet. Is that what it says? No. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. These were the people of faith. If you have enough faith... God will make you healthy and rich and everything else and you'll be a little God and you'll rule this planet. That's, the, that's what Satan said to Jesus, right? Here's all the kings of the earth that could be yours. Just take it. No, Jesus is a savior, amen? He died for sins and he's the one that will take the planet in the end, amen? And others experienced mocking, scourging, yes, chains, and they also were stoned. Didn't mean they were getting high. That meant they were literally stoned to death. They were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, not mink coats, and being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, men of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These are people of faith, guys. What have we signed up for? 
I've signed up for eternity, man. This, word, this world is just so temporary. All these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Talking about in their lifetime. Verse 40, because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us, they would not be made perfect. Wow. So I bring you again to that whole idea that, uh, by the way, stay in fellowship. When things get nasty, make sure you're sticking to Jesus, amen? Make sure you're not backing down in your faith. If you're told, oh, you need to take this number on your right hand to buy or sell, you just be a big part of the party, you're going to lose your head. What choice are you going to make? Make a choice now to stand for Jesus. Don't say, I'm going to do it in my own strength. That's where the faith and the practical have to kick in, amen? I'm going to trust you to give me the strength, Lord. But I'm going to look to you, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, amen? I love how she protects her son, not fearing the king. A mama bear faith, amen? Mama bear faith. That would be a good website, mama bear faith. You know, she has this mama bear faith. I love it. Numbers three. Number three. Numbers three. Don't go to numbers three. Number three on our list. Recognize that your children have been created in the glorious image of God. Amen? That they are image bearers. When you recognize that your children, if you get pregnant and you're a woman, that baby in the womb is already in the image of God. Do you understand that? It has its own DNA. It's separate than you. Okay? It's its own person. Fight for its life. God's created this... This incredible womb, you guys. It's, it's, it's fearfully and wonderfully made, not just the baby, but the mother that houses the baby in a womb that's meant to protect the child. Amen? So you have this beautiful child, and, and you know what? It says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, they saw he was beautiful, right? If you read verse 23, 24, that he was a beautiful child. And of course he was. And by the way, for every parent, every parent thinks their child is beautiful, Amen? The other, so our neighbor might say, that baby looks hideous. But mom and dad's like, this is such a beautiful baby. Honey, what a beautiful baby God's given us. You know why I think that's true? Is because, because I remember when Jojo was born, you know. No, no, he's a cute kid. Otherwise, I couldn't say this, right? But I remember he was born, and he, they pulled him out of the womb, and his head was kind of swollen. And I was in, this is not in my notes. Sorry, Jojo. I owe you five bucks or sushi, but sushi costs more these days. So... Maybe all you can eat, she's so expensive these days. But uh, my dad said, he kind of goes aside, he goes, we're walking, he, I go, he goes, Jojo, he looks, Josiah. He goes, he looks like Babe Ruth. <laughs> and I thought, oh, there's no pictures of Babe Ruth when he was young that I've ever seen. I've only seen the, you know. And then, of course, just, of course, he was so beautiful to us, you know. In, in fact, I think he's just a gorgeous kid, but then again, I'm dad, so maybe there's people next to me, you guys are thinking, oh, he's hideous looking, you know. <laughs> No, he's, he's a great-looking kid. But every parent ought to see their child as beautiful because you know what they're seeing? Through the eyes of God. I believe that's what they're seeing is God's given us eyes for his eyes for our children to see their potential, to see he's made, they're made in his image, that they're precious. Amen? So uh, I encourage you guys, man, these children are beautiful. All the children are beautiful. They're all beautiful, you know? They may come out scarred. They may come out with a disease or whatever, but they're beautiful in God's sight. Amen? Because they're precious. They're made in his image. And remember that your children are fearfully and wonderfully made. And each child is supposed to be a picture of Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, Moses will be this incredible picture of Jesus in saving uh, the children of Israel from Egypt. Pharaoh is a picture of Satan, a picture of Antichrist. Egypt is a picture of the world system that wants to swallow up our kids alive. Praise God for 
his, his word in the eyes that he gives us for our children. Number four, don't fear man. We already saw she didn't fear man, right? But number four is don't fear man, but fear who? Fear God. It says she didn't fear man, but she did fear God. See, the fear of man is a snare. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says, the fear of man will prove to be a snare. If you fear man, it'll be, a, some translations say it's a trap. You'll be trapped, man. You'll be in a trap. But whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. And a little bit later in Hebrews, if you got your Bible open, you can go to Hebrews chapter 13. It says, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Isn't that cool? You have to keep that in mind. I want to encourage you. I really want to encourage you to take seriously what I'm saying. Pray that God would take from you the fear of man. Because there may come a time where you have to stand up and give your life for your family. Male or female. You lay out your life literally for your wife. Not just daily with paper cuts that happen every day. But you have to stand in front of a bullet. You have to fight somebody at a gas station that's trying to take your car with your wife or your kid in it. And you have to fight to the death to keep them from taking your kid away or your wife. It might cost your life. But you know what? There's a fear that can come over you that you because you can overestimate yourself. Because I think everybody here will say, well, of course I'd step up. Not necessarily. I remember Peter saying he would step up. Though they all go to deny you, Lord. I'm ready to go to prison death for you. Next thing you know, a woman's saying, you're one of them, aren't you? No. And he starts swearing an oath. I don't know her and cusses. Oh, I'm not that, I don't even talk like them. That's Peter. Big old strong Peter. Peter learned a lesson, man. Don't put your confidence in yourself. Paul says we put no confidence in the flesh. Don't put your confidence in your flesh. Your flesh will let you down. You have to put confidence in God. That's why Jesus said pray that you don't fall into temptation. Because certain things can come over you. Certain where all of a sudden you just take the easy way out and it's costly and you regret it later. And later Peter says wept bitterly because he denied the Lord three times. He was so upset that he blew it. His heart was in the right place. But he didn't have the strength to be an overcomer in that instance. And he learned that he needed to pray right? He learned that he needed to be sober and alert. Be sober, Peter writes later, and alert, right? For your adversary, the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Jesus told him that it's the power, it's the hour of darkness. Peter, oh, I got it. Well, son of God might have to pray. Jesus has to pray, but I don't. I'm sure he didn't say that because, but if Jesus had to pray in the garden of Gethsemane, how much more do we? And he denied the Lord three times. Amen. Learn from others who have gone before us, like Peter, like Jochebed. Pray right now, Lord, help me be strong in times of temptation. Help me be strong if I'm to live at a time when the mark of the beast comes out. Or maybe it won't be at a time when maybe the mark of the beast won't come out in my lifetime. But Lord, when I'm asked by somebody like if the Biden administration continues and then it becomes another administration, before you know it, they're denying, they're causing us to forfeit our faith and deny our faith in some way. We got to say, Lord, help me be strong even though I may lose my home, my friends, my family, my reputation. Because this is a temporal world. It's just temporary. It's gone, guys. Live for Jesus. Amen? Live for Jesus. And he says, what, will man, what can man do to you? I love that. Lord's my helper, Hebrews 13. He says, he's encouraging them. What can man do to you? Well, he can cut my head off. Praise God. If they took me right now and cut my head off, praise Jesus. I hope I'm praising the Lord the whole way. That's my prayer. I hope my head looks up, severed from my body, and says, Jesus is Lord. That would freak them out, right? You know? I don't know. I'm sorry. But hey, I just, I just want to praise him to the end. Amen? Praise him because he's worthy of being praised. He's king of kings, lord of lords. I love the fact that uh, 
They feared God here. And it's interesting because the scriptures say, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 28, don't fear man who can destroy the body, but cannot what? Destroy, destroy the soul. But fear God who can destroy both your body, he says to his apostles, and your soul in hell. That's the one you ought to fear. Big picture. Always look at the big picture as a Christian. Amen. And Galatians 1.10, Paul says, For am I now seeking approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. So if, if I or any other pastor, any other brother or sister becomes a servant of man, we're not really serving Christ anymore, are we? Because dead fish go downstream, man. Living fish. I love the, I love the salmon, man, that just go upstream. There's, it's so radical. That's a whole process. It just blows me away. What a good picture that is of the, of the believer. Amen going into the kingdom of God. So it's interesting uh, that I love Acts chapter 5, one of my favorite chapters in Acts, because there the, the apostles are beaten. They're flogged. They're whipped. Their flesh is hanging open for preaching the gospel. And the government says, no, you cannot preach the gospel in this city anymore. And they flog them. And I love Acts 5.27. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. That's after being whooped, right? Rejoicing because they had been counted worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Christ. How many of you would leave, man, I can't believe God let me go through this. I've honored his name. I've preached. I've shared the gospel with people. He's letting me suffer. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. That's how you want to leave this world, Tim, man. You know what? All those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's the promise. People love to quote the, the fluffy, beautiful, sweet promise. I love those too. Believe me. But I also love the promises like all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's in 2 Timothy 3. That's where it says, in the last days, terrible times will come, and men will be lovers of self, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. They're going to despise you. Haters, traitors, right? Lovers of money, more than lovers of God. Lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God. I'm sorry. How to form a godliness, but denying the power thereof. And they'll be like Jannies and Jambres, the magicians who counterfeited God's miracles. So there's a whole counterfeit movement going on right now in the so-called body of Christ where people are going to be wrapped up in a delusion and observing the Antichrist, thinking they're establishing the kingdom of God on earth. It's a huge deception afoot right now, guys. And guess what? And then he goes on to say, all those who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. From who? Not just the worldly powers, but from those who have a form of godliness, claim to be Christians. Because we're not in lockstep when the government and the so-called church become one to build the kingdom of God on earth. And we'll be like, we'll be the persecuted ones. We'll be the haters. Because we won't take the mark of the beast. And then it says, evil men will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Many of them are deceived. They think they're serving God. They'll say, Lord, Lord, didn't we do many miracles in your name? Prophesy your name, cast out demons in your name. He says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. You didn't do the will of the Father. We have to be people of faith and do the will of the Father. That's Matthew 7, 21 through 23. So I love it, man. They said they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer for Christ. I tell my family before, you know what? If I get really, really old... I personally don't want to, me, Lord, have mercy, whatever you will, I want to endure it, but I don't want to have a bedpan for two years laying there. Send me to, you know, Iran or something and put a sign on me that says, Jesus is Lord, repent or go to hell or something like that, you know? I want to be a martyr for Christ. That, to me, is a better death, you know, or an easier death, I should say. That would be an easier death for me, you know? Wow, that was a crazy way. I don't want to give anybody ideas, you know. Maybe that's not God's will for you, Okay. You know, suicide by, you know, preaching Jesus in the midst of Islam, you know. <laughs> Praise the Lord, Joseph. I don't think it is. Necessarily. I got to pray. 
<laughs> Acts 5.29, a couple verses later, it says, we, they go right back there and preach the gospel in the same city. They say, better to obey man. or I'm sorry, better to obey God than man. Amen? Yeah. Better to obey God, obey God than man. Amen? Amen. <sighs> wow. I love it. The midwives, it says, of the midwives. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had commanded them, but let the boys live. The midwives feared God. Jochebed and Amran feared God. Amen. I just love it. And the Bible says we're blessed when we serve him, when we fear him, when we love him. Now it's amazing because I love what happens here. She's like, I got to hide him. She puts him in this papyrus pitched with tar basket in such a way where it's waterproof and then the crocodiles can't get him because he's enclosed really well. And all of a sudden, he's sliding down. He's going down the river. And guess what? Remember what happens? Miriam, his older sister, is following Moses along. And what happens? You have, you know, Pharaoh's daughter, right? She's bathing in the river. And she sees this. And she hears baby Moses weeping, right? And then she grabs him. And she just happens to be there bathing. And she grabs him and... As many women, she's like, I want to have a child. Now, it's crazy because according to Josephus, if he's accurate, the first century Jewish historian, that, that Pharaoh, you know, didn't have any sons, you know, and Moses would have been in line to become the next Pharaoh or a Pharaoh down the line. We don't know that for sure. That's what Josephus had said. But isn't it interesting because now he's in Pharaoh's court. Oh, and Miriam just happens to be watching, and she sees this little baby. She might be thinking, what am I going to do with this baby? I'd love to have this baby. You ever see a woman with a new, she finds a little kitten? Or finds a little puppy? Some of you have stories about that, don't you? Some of you have dogs. Some of you parents have dogs right now. You're like, wow, I didn't plan on having this dog, but the little one brought him home. Or you maybe brought one home when you were little. But guess what? You see a little baby? But right now, the concern is going to be, wait, how do I take care of him? Miriam's like, oh, by the way, she just comes out of the brush. Hey, princess. Wow, it looks like you need help with that baby. I know somebody that'll nurse him. Really, who? Oh, let me go talk to her. Happens to be who? Jochebed, the mom. Mom, guess what? You can get paid for taking care of baby Moses now, right? (laughs) Well, Jochebed's like, of course, she's, this is all part of God's plan. And she offers her services, and guess what? She's put in the palace, and she's raising baby Moses. Moses, amidst of him being taught the ways of Egypt, she's teaching him that Yahweh is God. Amen? How many of you love to get paid for taking, your children, taking care of your children? Well, guess what? You are getting paid. Far more than she got paid on earth, you're going to be rewarded in heaven. Amen? Keep serving. Even when you're down and tired, remember, God's going to bless you more than you could ever, more than Jochebed was ever blessed on this earth. I just love this. And I just love that the midwives played a significant role. I love that Miriam played a significant role. Even if you, Miriam wasn't a mother yet. The midwives weren't mothers yet. And it goes on to say when the mothers served God and they didn't fear him, that he blessed them. So you don't have to be a mother. You could be a blessing to the children, amen? You could help bring up Moses's, amen? And in the kingdom, God sees that, amen? And you'll be rewarded and you'll be blessed as a mother. So all of you are in children's church. Praise the Lord for you. Any of you that have input into children, and you say, man, I don't know how God's going to you know, work this out and everything, but he is, and he's going to use you to his glory. Amen? Amen? No matter if you're a midwife, no matter if you're uh, a Miriam, no matter how you step in, if you impart truth into children's lives, you'll be blessed in the end. 
Because God blessed the midwives that said, after he feared them, him and, and, and helped baby Moses. Now, this is crazy when you think about it because I was at the Chili's uh, Wednesday night with Sister Carol and Sister Kelly Locke and Sister Anita Dunn because Anita would just, I didn't know she was coming. She was there Wednesday night, you know, and we had a great time having dinner together. Hadn't seen Anita. She lives in Arizona for some time. And then we all went out and then there was a gal that came up to me and she's like, you know what? Uh, and she asked me, you know, if I had a verse that she could memorize. And she was a waitress, and I'd witnessed to her before. And she seemed to be a believer because she said she believed and so forth. But I gave her the gospel prior. But I didn't realize that she may have just becoming a believer at that point as I was sharing with her because she said she didn't know any verse of the Scripture really. She said any verse just to help me. And you know what? It's interesting because she said she went through some stuff, and it was a long story. I don't have time to get into the details, but she gave us some details of her story with a prom and not being able to get there at the time and being late and what's going to happen and did God save me from an accident. So I was going to give her Genesis 50, what you meant for evil. Remember Joseph? His brother sold him to slavery. You could be radically mistreated, but you put your trust in God because the next point is that she trusted God's providence. That's what, Mary, that's what Jacob did. She trusted that God was in control. And guess what? This gal was like, man, I just thought maybe that's, God saved me from an accident and so forth. But it's funny because I was going to give her like Genesis 50, what you guys meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. Or Jeremiah 29, 11, right? I know the plans I have for you, right? Not for calamity, but for welfare, right? To give you hope in the future, right? But I gave her Romans 8, 28 because I realized she's so new that God works all things together for the good for those who love and the call according to his purpose, Amen. This lady, Jochebed, trusted God's providence. And she didn't even have those verses to look at, except perhaps Genesis chapter 50, right? Because it's written by Moses, but it wasn't written yet. But she knew what happened, right? In Genesis uh, 50, she knew what happened, but it actually wasn't written down that God used it for the good. You guys, what's the odds that Miriam would just happen to be bathing at that time and then uh, Miriam would, and that she would accept and that Miriam, you know, God knew. God's in control, Right? Just follow the Lord. Do what he calls you to do. Obey him. The Bible says, they said, blessed is your mother, the womb that gave birth to you to Jesus. He said, rather blessed is the one that hears the word of God and obeys it. Amen. Amen. Let's obey God's word. He takes care of the rest. I love Keith Green's song, right? He takes care of the rest. Just think about Moses, he says, in front of the burning bush. I love Keith Green's music. Barefoot on the holy ground. You know, he must have been thinking, hey, what's an old dude like me going to do when I, go to, uh, when I tell him? Well, go down. Go down, Moses. The Lord said, hey, Mo." Don't worry about going down south. I'll be saying every word that comes out of your mouth. You just keep doing your best and pray that it's blessed. Hey, Mo, I'll take care of the rest. Yes, the Lord said that. He'll take care of the rest. He's going to do it. Where, uh, where he'll take care of the rest, he'll see you through it. Yeah. Well, he'll take care of the rest. Oh, Pharaoh blew it. He'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of the rest. The Lord takes care of the rest. Amen. And you know what? He richly rewards those who seek him. I said that there would be a birthday. There's a birthday today of another mother. This mother has produced a lot of children. She's had millions. And I, want, I would ask her to stand up, but it's kind of hard. Mark, you stood up the wrong time, bro. She's had millions and millions and millions of babies. She turned 75 today. Happy birthday to Diane. You said you had it. Oh, not Mo, Mo, Mo. Oh, no, you said no, no, no. Okay. Uh, Happy birthday, Israel. It's their 75th birthday today of becoming a country again. Amen. Praise the Lord. May 14th, 1948, 75 years ago today. Amen. Now what's cool about that is guess what? 
there's verses about how Israel would consider being bereaved because she had no children. What happened to her, right? She ceased being a nation. God's providence, there seemed no hope for Moses, man. Put him in a wicked, a, a, a wicked, or not wicked, a wicker <laughs> reed, uh, you know, just let him float. What's God going to do? God will take care of the rest in your life. You give your children to the Lord, amen? May seem like, what's going to happen? God is good, amen? And guess what? This is what trips me out, man, is Israel ceased to be a nation for almost 2,000 years. God promised, and he promised this in Jeremiah 31, thus says the Lord who gives the sun for light by day and sets in order the moon and the stars by, for light by night, who stirs up the sea and the waves that roar. The Lord of hosts is his name. Only if the fixed order departed from my presence, declares the Lord, uh, would Israel's descendants ever cease to be a nation before me. He says, no, I am going to make sure they become a nation again. And just... 75 years ago, they became a nation again. And listen to what Isaiah 66, 8 says. Who has heard such a thing? Who has, such, uh, who has seen such things? Shall a land be born in one day? Or shall a nation be brought forth and born in a moment? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she brought forth her children. Now there's millions and millions of Jews living in Israel again. Amen. The Lord comes through. Amen. So number one, live for God's glory. Number two, have a fearless faith. Amen. Number three, recognize your children are made in the image of God. Number four, don't fear man, but fear who? Fear God. Amen. And number five, trust in God's providence. Amen. Trust in his providence. Can we all please stand? As we pass out the cup of the bread. Happy Mother's Day, man. If you're like, man, you know, I've had a tough motherhood, you know, well, so did Israel. Amen.